turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5 and we'll let the children uh, be dismissed for a junior church. Ephesians chapter 5, I want to begin reading in verse 25. Ephesians 5 verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word, and to present her to himself a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it. Boy, is that ever a true statement? He feeds it and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. This morning I want to talk to you about Christ's love for the church. And I want to encourage you to contrast Christ's love for the church with your relationship to the body of Christ. I want to do that as a starting point by contrasting the difference between dating and marriage. Josh Harris wrote a book a few years back called Stop Dating the Church. And in it, he draws this sort of analogy. And I kind of just put this together a little bit to to try to show you the difference between dating relationships and marriage relationships. These are my general observations, okay? Okay. Uh, I'm not submitting this as truth. Uh, Certain aspects of it are my, if you will, read on the nature of these relationships. So general observations. Dating is like window shopping. It's about appearance. It's about preferences. It's about attraction. It's about flexibility. It is more often characterized by infatuation than selfless love. It is more about self than it is often about other. It is like test driving a car as opposed to buying a car. It's like kicking the tires as opposed to replacing the tires. It is fragile, typically not durable. It tends to be brittle rather than elastic. It is non-binding, it is non-contractual, and it is often temporary. Because it lacks a commitment. Okay, contrast that to marriage, a relationship of pure bliss with no struggles, no heartaches or disappointments. It's happily ever after. And you're thinking, wake him up. All right, that's not true. Okay, that was just messing around. All right, no, but it should be characterized by what? By love. By commitment. It's the, it's the essence of marriage. By permanence. By hard work. Sacrifice. Its focus is the other person. Not self. It's about buying rather than test driving. It's about replacing tires, not kicking tires. It's about brokenness and reconciliation. And followed, that followed by growth in all things. It's binding, it's contractual, and it's about loving, it's not about liking. Primarily. The question I want to ask you this morning is this. 
have discussions about this as an elder board. We met with a couple pastors this week and this discussion came up again. It's a discussion that comes up over and over again. Do you like the church or do you love the church? And I think that's an important question for all of us to wrestle with because in order for the church, the body of Christ, to become what God wants it to be, we need to move from liking the church a casual relationship that lacks commitment, we need to move to a marital type of relationship with the body of Christ that is characterized by a deeper desire to see the work of God progress in the world that we have been called to live in. Do you date the church or are you committed to the church? The truth is that we live in a world where the attitude of many is indifference, towards the church, it's apathetic towards the church, and for some, it's simply a dislike of the church. So the question I put to you this morning is this, does Jesus like the church, or does he love the church? Do I? The Bible uses two expressions to talk about the church, and these are the ways we say it in theology. We say there is the church invisible, okay? And then there is the church visible. Okay, the invisible church is all believers at all times in history, all right? Born again, blood-washed before God, all right? That is the, the, the invisible church. You, on this side of eternity, will never see that. What do we see? We see what the Bible calls the visible or local church. All right? Believers that gather in a specific geographic locale to worship and honor God with their lives. Okay? So when the, when the Bible is written, particularly in the New Testament, you find letters that are addressed to churches that meet in specific locales or local areas. So you'll find the letter of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, the uh, book of Corinthians written to the church in Corinth, the book of Romans written to the church in Rome. And what do you find? You find that there is a focus in the New Testament primarily on local churches. Why? Because that's where we see the body of Christ. We understand at all times that we are part of a bigger picture, okay, the universal or invisible church, all believers in all places at all times from all of history, one day will be gathered together as the bride of Christ. And that is a glorious hope that we have. But in this side of eternity, where do we live? We live in local areas and we should find ourselves committing our lives to local manifestations of the work of Christ. And the Bible calls them local churches. Churches that meet in a specific geographic area. That is the focus of the New Testament. Now, in a fast-paced culture that offers a lot of options, what happens? What happens? Okay, what happens is this. The church often lacks commitment. Why? Because we have so many things pulling at us, so many alternatives, so many other things that we can do that our commitment to the church tends to be watered down by those other things. And the result is that we tend to have a casual relationship with the church rather than a devoted or committed relationship to the church. I think we can honestly say that we often like the church but we don't love the church. And this morning, my aim, my desire 
is to challenge what I think rises in our hearts from time to time. Sometimes there arises in our hearts a lukewarmness towards the church, an apathy and indifference. And I think that we need to look at the heart of Christ for the church and say, Jesus, give me that heart for your body. In its local manifestation where I am committed to worship and to serve you. So my desire is to stir this morning our affections, our love for the church, which is his body. And to do that stirring by comparing and contrasting our love for the church to Christ's love for the church. Okay, and I think Ephesians will help us to see how this works out. So that in the end, the church does not have a big part in our lives, but instead the church has a big place in our hearts. Okay? So that it moves from an external affection, weak and limited, to an abiding commitment that is derived from a heart that we begin to love the church like Christ does. My prayer this morning has been this, that the Spirit of God would prompt us to deepen our commitment and our love for what Jesus loves, the body of Christ. 1 Peter 2 and verse 17 says this to the church. Love the brotherhood of believers. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to each other in brotherly love. Okay, so the the thrust of those passages is what? That we should be people who have a deep affection for the church. That we are people who love what God is doing. Now the reality is what? The reality is that many people have had bad experiences with the church, right? They've been through struggles. They've been through difficulties. That's, it's part of a fallen world. It's part of the reality that we live with. And yet God, in spite of those experiences, calls us to do what? He calls us to love the church. To fight through those struggles and difficulties. And isn't that what's true of every strong marriage? It's not that the marriage is free from troubles, but it's that when the troubles and struggles arise in the context of the home, they are addressed head on. There's a willingness to sit down and talk and to work it through. Why? Because I am devoted to you. I am committed to you. I'm not walking away because this is a permanent relationship. Okay, And that's the idea that we should have in our relationship to the church. Yes, there are struggles because there are people. Okay, and we are one of them, all of us. Okay, I think you could find this, and I I kind of thought about this this morning as I was reviewing my notes. What's the common denominator amongst problems in the church? What's the common denominator? You know what the common denominator is? People. Almost every problem in the church at some level relates to individuals, to me. To you, to us, right? And so as we move forward, I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to paint a, a, a rosy picture that is unrealistic. And my desire is that we should be very straightforward and realize that there are times where churches have hurt people, where I've hurt people, where this church has hurt people. Okay, that's reality. Sometimes we do let people down. We do struggle with what it is to be living together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think looking at the attitude of Jesus Christ towards the church will instruct us this morning and help us to understand how we should relate to the church. I'm just going to make, uh, look at three words, 
Okay? Permanence, progress, and passion. Okay, I think those are three words that emerge out of this text as you look at Jesus' relationship to the church. I want you to look at his relationship, compare and contrast it to yours, and ask yourself the question, how do I move to where God wants me to be in relationship to the local church that he has called me to be part of? So let's look first of all at this idea that emerges in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 25. Here's what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay? Now, what's true about marriage? It it, it comes up at every wedding ceremony. I've never been to one where this doesn't come up. Okay? What comes up in the context of a wedding ceremony is the fact that this relationship is a priority in the life of those that are committing to it and that it is permanent. I give myself to you alone. It is an exclusive relationship. So when the Apostle Paul picks up this truth, husbands love your wives, have an abiding relationship with your wife, like Christ loves the church, I automatically have a connection between what? Between the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church and between a husband and a wife, they are similar in this sense. That they are permanent relationships. Okay, Jesus' commitment to the church is permanent. He established this, that via this analogy that the church in its relationship to Jesus is like a husband's relationship to his wife. All right? Now, Matthew 16, 18, I think, helps us to unfold kind of the nuances of this idea of permanence. Okay, Matthew 16, 18, the Bible says this. Jesus has promised to his disciples in the midst of their struggles. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay, I will build my church and I believe he's talking about the church invisible, the big picture, but worked out where? Worked out in localities, in specific geographic areas. What does this mean? And why, why do we say that the relationship is permanent? Because Jesus has contractually obligated himself to the church. I will is the word that's used. Okay, now here's what's fascinating about this. The church is the only thing in the New Testament that the Bible teaches that Jesus is building. Okay, it's the only thing in the New Testament that he is building. One aspect of that, let me stretch it out. Okay, John chapter 14. Jesus says, I'm going away, and what am I going to do there? I am going to prepare a place for you. Okay, so what is he doing? He's building the church in the context of preparing for a future experience with us that will be glorious. But today, what is he doing? He is building his church. It's what he is devoted to. The people of God are a priority for Jesus Christ. And I think from this text, we can also arrive at this other idea in terms of permanence. The church is his idea. He started this. He is committed to it. And wants to glorify his name through the church. He assures also the church's success by this permanent commitment and relationship. So that the church does not need to rely on gimmicks. It doesn't need to rely on marketing, on brilliance, on cleverness. It just needs to rely on Jesus. Now folks, understand this. Jesus' commitment to you and your progress as the body of Christ is a permanent commitment. 
It's not one that, one that he is moody in relationship to. And verse 26 tells us that he, his desire is to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. So what is he doing? He's building the church through the word of truth. And so when we come on Sunday mornings, what is our purpose? What's the purpose in Bible studies? It's to communicate the truth of God, which is able to build us up and make us strong. John 17, 17, Jesus says this in a prayer to his father. He says, Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. And what is Jesus doing? He's pouring his word out into the church by the power of the Spirit to transform us and to make us what he wants us to be, building his church, and he will not give up on that commitment. The nature of our relationship with him is one of permanence. At the end of Matthew 16, 18 of this commitment, Jesus says, even the gates of hell will not prevail against her. I know, what does that mean? What that means is that the church is regularly under assault from the evil one, the gates of hell. Gates are symbols of power in the ancient world. It's where the power was held in a city. The elders would gather at the city gate. It was the, 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 the place of strength. And what happens in the church? What happens is this, the gates of hell do come against, but the promise of Jesus is they will not prevail against her. So whatever struggle you're going through in your personal life or whatever struggles we may go through as a church family, what does God want us to know? He wants us to know that he is permanently committed through us, through his son, Jesus Christ, and in that he is guaranteeing our success. He will build up his church. Conclusion on, for, on the first thought of permanence is this. Jesus doesn't date the church. He doesn't have a casual relationship. He doesn't have a temporary relationship with the church. He has a permanent relationship with her. And wants to see her grow and prosper. And may, may we think of it in this way. Okay? If I'm not devoted to the church, I'm not devoted to what Jesus is committed to. Okay? And I think sometimes we need to draw it down. Jesus loves the church. And he wants us to also. And when I love the church, I'm loving what Jesus loves. So Jesus is committed to the church in a way that is permanent. Secondly, Jesus is devoted and committed to the progress of his bride. Verse 26 says this. He is loving her so that he will make her holy cleansing her with, by the washing of water through the word so that he may present her to himself a radiant church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish, but instead that she would be holy and blameless. Right, what is that saying? All right, I believe it's saying this. Jesus is committed to us becoming everything that he wants us to be. And he is assisting us and joining with us in this work. Why? I don't think it's because the church in the eyes of Jesus is simply irresistible. All right, that there's something so attractive and, and magnetic about the church, us, that he just can't help himself. Okay, I think it's that Jesus is devoted and committed to our purification, to our becoming everything that he wants us to be. So the relationship is a commitment to our progress. 
Verse 26, I think, very clearly indicates that his desire is to make her holy. His desire is to cleanse her, to wash her. He is devoted to our progress, to our movement from where we are to where he wants us to be. Because what happens in our lives? There are times we get frustrated with ourselves, aren't there? There are times that we would not be in, in maintaining commitment to ourselves. We want to give up on ourselves. And what is Jesus saying? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let go. Just like any godly parent with their child, right? They work through them with difficult situations. They stick with them. They're devoted to them. And the heart is, I'm not giving up on you. You're my child. Same thing in the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Which means this, that our growth as believers and as the body of Christ is a cooperative effort. We're not left on our own, folks. I think it's important that we understand this. Jesus doesn't save you and then launch you out into the world and say, good luck, happy sailing. No, he goes with us and takes an active role, an active involvement of loving the church just like we need to experience in every marriage. I think it's also important to realize that in this commitment to progress, Jesus realizes that, that, that the church has blemishes, it has faults, it has weaknesses, it has areas where it desperately needs growth. I think verse 27 is saying something like this, he sees what we are, bruises, blemishes, all that stuff, but he also sees what we by his grace will be. And that to us should be so encouraging. He sees us as we really are today, but he sees what you and I will be. Now, sometimes in our Christian walk, I think it's important that we take time to look back and see what we used to be and see what God is causing us to become for his glory today. And he's devoted to doing that in the church as a whole. Verse 27 is a, a glorious picture of how Jesus sees the church. He is going to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. We had a couple young ladies in our church family that are preparing to be brides, all right? They're planning for a wedding day. I think of Rachel and Ashley, right? They're, they're looking forward to a day in the near future, you know, in the very near future, when they're going to become radiant. They're going to put on a white dress. The purpose of that white dress is to do what? It's to magnify their importance, their beauty, their glory, right? The centerpiece of every wedding is who? It's not the groom. Okay, you I remember my pastor saying there, just always look at the bride. Always, always, always. Okay, it's not about this guy. It's about her. It's her day. All right, any, any guy that's been through a wedding, you may try to stay involved in the process of planning, and all of a sudden you realize, I really should just back away and let these ladies do what they do best. Okay, and what is Jesus doing? Jesus is preparing the bride. Who's the bride? It's, the, it's us, the church. Where is he preparing her? He's preparing her in specific local areas. A beautiful picture that will be radiant, astonishing, mind-blowing. And who's he going to introduce her to? To himself. And folks, he says that about every believer. He is devoted to become, becoming everything that he wants you to be. 
And he is pouring effort into us. So the message says it in this way. It says, everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. Think of that. That's his commitment to you and I. That we would be radiant as his church. Finally, one day, cleansed from our sin. Do you not look forward to that day? Jesus is devoted to that end in your life and in the life of his church. Okay, so that we will become everything that he wants us to be. And verses 28 through 30, I think, kind of then tie this out in a practical sense. It says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Husbands should be as devoted as Christ is. And we as believers should be as devoted as Christ is to the church. Husbands ought to love their wives like they love their own bodies. Now that to me is a bit humorous, right? Because what's true? Men know how to take care of themselves, right? They get the food they want and the things they want. They're very devoted to themselves. Being sure that their needs are met. What is Jesus saying? Husbands, love your wives as you love your own body. Take as much thought and concern and care for her as you do for yourself. And may we realize that that is the heart of Christ for the church. That is his, his level of commitment to your progress. He who loves his wife loves himself. Why? Because you're one. After all, no one ever hated his body, but he, and, and that's, that's obviously a general statement there, he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. But you know what Jesus wants to do? Jesus wants to grow you up in grace. And he is devoted and committed to your progress to that end. Now, why all this connection between this discussion about marriage and Jesus and the church? What, what's going on with this? And, and, and why is this pressed out so hard? And why such detail about how a husband feels about himself and his relationship to his wife and how Christ feels about himself and his relationship to his wife, the church? Why such an emphasis? And I think the answer is this. God created romance, God created pursuit, God created marriage in the human realm. Why? Why? Because it, all of it, the romance, the pursuit, the commitment, the intimacy in marriage, is all a picture of what? It is all a picture of the greater relationship that He desires to have with you and I. So I encourage you, think back to the romance. Think back to the infatuation, the first look. All right, think back to the commitment. Think back to the wedding day. Think, husband, of what you felt when you looked down the aisle and you saw this woman radiant and glorious for you. Think back and realize that is how Jesus Christ feels about you. He longs to be by your side, with you, and he is devoted. To your progress in that walk. So when permanence is present in marriage, it raises a deeper understanding of the commitment of Jesus Christ to the church. We have a, a couple at the end of our street. They're named the Mateys. They are an interesting name for this married couple, right? The Mateys. 101 and 102 years old. They've been married, I think, I think if I remember this correctly, they've been married like 77 years. Still calls her his bride you know what that's a picture of 
It's a picture of commitment. It's kind of fun if you ask them why they've succeeded. They kind of wander around with all these thoughts. And, but in your mind, what do you know? They're committed. They're devoted to one another. 101, 102 sitting in their wheelchairs on the porch. Can't go anywhere. But they're there. Blankets. Watching people run by. We jog by. We walk up. Say hi to them. They're committed. I, I'll tell you this. If one day I walked up there and Mr. Mady and I said, hey, where's your wife? And he said, I got rid of her. I'm going to tell you this. Honestly, I would be floored. Why? Because when you're with someone that long, what are you? You're devoted. You're committed. Folks, do you realize that Jesus Christ, when he drew you to himself and brought you into his body, he made a commitment to you that is marked by permanence and a commitment to your progress. All right, and, and here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Am I devoted to the church like Jesus is? Do I like her or do I love her? Because Jesus loves the church. And the reality is that it's sometimes easier to get involved in good things for Jesus. Good activities, good events. But he calls us to have a strong, vital relationship with his local body church which can be really messy at times because it's made up of people and Jesus raises the value of faithful service to others now we live in a culture that does what it values big service and and this is a good thing Phil's wife went to Haiti right and Lord willing we'll have her share about her experience in Haiti why what do we tend to value she went and did a big thing, right? In our eyes. That's how we tend to look at things, don't we? You know, think of it this way. When's the last time that we took someone who served in nursery and brought them up front and said, share a testimony about your service in nursery? Right? What do we value? We value the big things. We value the wedding day, but not the experience of marriage. Right? And I say this to everybody that I do a wedding ceremony for. Make sure that you spend more time planning for your marriage than you do for your wedding. Okay? Because that's a big event. But your, your marriage relationship will not be sustained by what happens on this day. In terms of the accoutrements and you know, all the garnishes and all everything that's there that makes it such a glorious day. But if you're committed to that relationship, that glorious day will be a picture of the rest of your experience. And so it is with the body of Christ. We need to realize that what makes a church strong is a whole lot of people committed to doing little things. People who realize that the church can't be strong apart from every living stone doing its part. And so in 1 Peter 2, in men's Bible study on Tuesday night, we we're talking about this. The Bible says that God is taking you as living stones and building you together into a temple for His glory. It's written to the churches that are in the area of Asia Minor. Each church, a, a little temple where God dwells. A temple that God is devoted to. Committed to. Not in a casual way. But in permanence and with an eye towards progress. And all of this ultimately points forward to this last thought, passion. Jesus' love for the church is passionate. And a few years ago, a movie came out that was called The Passion of Christ. Okay? And, 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 and I want to turn your attention back to the, first or to the last phrase 
of Ephesians 5.25. God says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. All right, that statement, you could put over it the word, the passion of Christ. Why is Jesus passionate about the church? Because he purchased her with his very shed blood. He paid a high price. He sacrificed everything for her. Acts 20, verse 28. Be on your guard, God says to the elders of the church, and for the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God. He bought her with his blood. All right, and that idea that the church was purchased with the blood of Christ is to fire the church's passionate commitment to her. Do you see? She is purchased by His blood. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have from God? You're not your own. You have been bought with the price, the precious blood of Christ. All right, that blood flows out of what experience? The passion of Christ. It is how His love is understood. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. You were not redeemed with perishable things from your former way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. So over and over and over, what do you find? That Jesus Christ has committed himself to a relationship with the church. That relationship is characterized by passion, which in the life of Christ is all about a permanent commitment to sacrifice for the benefit and growth of the church. His relationship with the church, permanent. His relationship to the church, he is devoted to progress. His relationship with the church, passionate. Meaning a willingness to sacrifice anything for her good and progress. Which leads us to this question, doesn't it? What is my relationship to the local church like? Am I committed? Am I devoted? Am I, am I passionate about what God is doing and wants to do in this local assembly? Do I have that kind of desire to love her and to serve her and to see her become the radiant, glorious bride of Christ? And the only way that will happen is this. If we as a church family evaluate our personal commitment individually and then commit ourselves to doing the little things that allowed the church to progress to become everything that God wants her to be in our community. So that we become what? Matthew 5 and verse 16. We become the light of the world. People drawn together, growing, loving each other. The body of Christ. Because the truth is this, that the only Jesus that many people will ever see or know is the Jesus that they see in each one of us. As we go out into the workplace, young people, as you go out into the school, to realize that the world is looking for hope. And that hope for change is gloriously found in the person of Jesus. A Christ-like love for the church, if we can crash ours to Jesus, a Christ-like love to the church means commitment to others, even when it is difficult, and even when we're struggling. So my question to you this morning, contrasted to Jesus, do you like the church or do you love the church? Is your relationship to her casual or committed? Okay.
Okay, that's the question I want to just impress upon you this morning. As we go to the Lord's table this morning, we do it remembering that it is the work of Jesus Christ that makes us beautiful in his presence. Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6 say this. They say, he chose us in him before the creation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory and grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. His commitment to us is never in doubt. And the way that we know that is through the message that is spoken of, through the elements that we will participate in this morning. A cup symbolizing the shed blood of Christ and broken bread symbolizing the broken body of Christ. Both of those come together in this idea of the passion of Jesus Christ for his church. These elements say this, Jesus Christ was all in. He gave everything. And the question is, you hold the elements today, I would like to ask yourself is this, am I all in? Am I devoted to the success of the body of Christ as much as he is? And if I'm not, I would ask you, just go to God and say, God, I have to confess apathy or indifference or, or injury, whatever it might be. I just need to confess these things so that I can be all in and fully devoted to what you love, the church, the body of Christ. And Father, as we come to the table this morning, 